Storehouse Dallas. Well, good morning. Thank you for having me. It's been a while since I've been here, so um, pray the rest off of me. <laughs> um, anyhow, I call this the Holy Ghost setup because uh, I was in prayer several days ago, and I heard the Lord say, I want you to help my people. I want you to share this message. And then about, I don't know, four or five hours later, I get an email from Tracy, and she said, I want you to preach on November 18th. So I know the Lord wanted me to share this message. And what he told me is that many of y'all are frustrated. Uh, You've been doing all the right things. You've been declaring the scriptures. You've been fasting. You've been tithing. You've been praying. And you've been walking pure before the Lord. But you're not seeing your breakthrough. You're not seeing your victory. And you definitely aren't seeing the blessings of God. And so the Lord said, I want you to help my people get the blockage out of their blessing. So if you want to title this, we're going to call it, What is Blocking My Blessing, Lord? That's the title he gave me. Sorry. So anyhow, um, what is a blessing? We're going to talk about that first. And blessings come in many forms. It's not just money. It's health. It's your peace, it's, it's having healthy relationships and good relationships. And so let's go ahead and start with that. Go to, we're going to just jump right in because I have a lot of information to cover. And this is probably three sermons. But if you'll hang with me, I think everyone here will profit from this. So anyhow, so we're going to go to 2 Timothy 3.16. And this scripture says that all scripture is inspired by God. It is profitable, right, for teaching, for uh, reproof, and for correction, and for training in righteousness. So why did I bring this scripture out? Because it says all scripture. That's Old Testament and New Testament. Now, Paul is talking to Timothy here, and when he referred to scriptures, they didn't have the New Testament. And when the Hebrew people said scripture, that meant the Torah or the first five chapters in the Bible. And that's where we're headed, Genesis. And we're going to spend a lot of time in the Old Testament. That's why I want you all to understand that as uh, American Christians, we can, it's safe and good to go to the Old Testament. So Genesis 12, 2, if we can go there. Um, I can't see the, can you get it up? I have it written down here. Okay, so I'll just go ahead and read it. Um, and I shall make you a great nation, and I will bless you. And I, make your, I will make your name great, and so shall you be a blessing. So who's talking there? The Lord thy God is talking there to Abraham. And the Lord is a man of his word. And if you go on the next chapter, He says that Abraham was very rich, not some rich, very rich, with livestock, silver, and gold. And Galatians 3.9, it says, so then those who are of the faith, that's us. If you love Jesus, you're of the faith. Then we are blessed with Abraham. So that's good news. Abraham was blessed, so that means we're blessed, right? Then Galatians 3.29 
And if ye be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs. So not only are we heirs to these promises of the blessings, but we are descendants of Abraham. And then there's more about the blessings that apply to God's people, that apply to the descendants of Abraham. And that's written about and spoken about by Moses, our wonderful, fearless leader. And he was a great teacher as well. Now, you've got to understand, he was trying to manage a million people when they went into the wilderness. And by the time they're about to exit the wilderness, they're about to four million or over four million. And so he had a lot of personalities and he had a lot of IQs, different levels and different ages. And so he was... He had to be very specific. He was like, okay, I'm going to spoon feed you, and I'm going to make this clear. And so he did. So in Deuteronomy 28, if you want to put that one up, 28.1, he goes into what, um, more, more, what the blessings are. And it goes all the way through, I think, 28.1 through 14. I'm not going to read it all. I recommend you all go back and read them because that's the fun part. So Deuteronomy 28, 1, now it shall be if you diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments, which I command you this day, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you obey the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall you be in the kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be in your basket. Blessed shall be your offspring. And it goes on and on and on and on. So this is awesome, awesome. We qualify for this, right? Oh, wait a minute. I think there's some ifs in there. I remember in school, if you saw an if, you need to pay attention. That means it's conditional, It is conditional upon what? What says right here? Obedience. Yes. So um, Abraham, he was our role model for obedience. So not only did Abraham leave Mesopotamia, which the area he lived in was very progressive. It was cosmopolitan. They even had libraries. So he left that area And left his family, his friends, his cousins, all for the call of the Lord. Out of of radical obedience to the Lord, he left all that he knew, everything that was familiar to him. And he left his culture of worshiping the moon god. Then we look more at his life, and he does it again. Radical obedience. He is willing to sacrifice his most prized possession on the altar. And the Lord is blown away. He's like, I'm going to bless you some more. And I'm going to bless your descendants. So I just want to ask you, have you left everything? Have you obeyed the Lord to that extent and left everything that's familiar to you? Have you laid your prized possession on the altar? It could be a person. It could be your job. It could be your success. I'm just wondering if this is the key to the overflow of blessings in your life. 
So I just wanted you to consider that, and I would love to stay on the blessing part, because I said, it's fun, right? But the Lord doesn't want me to stay there. He wants me to go back to the ifs. And the if is saying, conditional, if you obey, you get all these wonderful blessings. But what happens if you don't obey? What is that called? Disobedience. What's disobedience? Sin. The wages of sin is death. The Bible also says that he who sins against the Lord injures himself. And how do we injure ourselves? We open ourselves up to curses. And that's what Moses talks about for the rest of the chapter from Deuteronomy 28, like 15 all the way through, I don't remember, 66 to 66. uh, There's 54 curses that are listed there. It's a consequence of sin. And again, we don't have time to go through that. And I think I might have put that scripture up to, to view. If you want to go ahead and put Deuteronomy 28, 15 up there, and they can look at it while I'm talking. But it's, it, it's a lot. You need to go back, and that's your homework tonight. Go read that, because it'll put the fear of the Lord in you. Now, let's talk about these curses, because I know some of what you are thinking, some of y'all are thinking, curses were first invoked by the Lord thy God in Genesis 3, after sin. And you see them throughout the Bible, and they go all the way up to Revelations 22. And that time, in the Word, it says, there shall be no more curse. When is that? When there's a new heaven and a new earth. So they're not extinguished until that point. And I also can hear some of you saying, but wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus became a curse for me on the tree. This doesn't apply to me. Thank God he did. That just shows you how real these are. That he had to become a curse and hang on a tree, the cross, a wooden tree cross, to be a substitute for us so that we might not have to live under a curse. Just like he bore sickness and pain and our infirmities and disease. But I look around and I see a lot of sick Christians. And I'm not condemning anybody because I was sick last month. I'm just saying that this is not um, automatic. Some people believe you become a Christian and everything's just, you know, automatically the curses are gone. But it's not automatic. If it was automatic, none of us would be sick. So what we have to do is we have to learn or know how to apply the blood atonement of Jesus to our problem. Sometimes we we don't even know we have a problem, right? And so we have to identify the problem and then apply the blood atonement. I call it redeeming your redemption card. So... I don't want to get in the weeds on theology, but I think stories are the best way to illustrate what I'm trying to talk about. So well, I'm going to tell you one of my stories. So about, uh, I guess, I was about four years old in the Lord, and I had my second-born baby. Her name was Candace, and she was born with an incurable genetic disease, and I was devastated. And so I went to my pastor 
what do I do? And he said, go to this Christian couple, this Christian uh, counselors, and they can help you. So I was obedient, and I went to them, and I was telling them my story, and they said, oh, we can help you. We know exactly what the problem is. And so we want to pray with you today. Well, what's the problem? Honey, you have a curse of witchcraft. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry, you've got the wrong person. I have never done any witchcraft at all. And I said, you just got to trust us. You have a curse of witchcraft. You see, we're going to tell you our story. Our dad, a good Baptist elder, found out about this curse of witchcraft and broke it off of our family. And so no one else in our family uh, contracted, that's the word, contracted this incurable disease that ran in our family. And I'm proof of it because 50% of the offspring should have the disease. She said, we are the only family. We are in the Guinness Book of World Records this, that the disease, that pattern had stopped. So anyhow, it made me a believer. I'm like, okay, sign me up, sign me up. What do I have to do? You know, I'm like, uh. <laughs> and, and then I said, but wait a minute. Y'all are mature, and I'm trying to figure all this stuff out, but you've got to explain some things to me because I'm having a hard time because I don't know anybody that loves Jesus more than me. And I mean, I've left it all. I left it all like I, my family disowned me. They thought I was cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I, lo- I left all my friends. I'm in at church every time the door is open. I'm praying. I'm doing. I'm trying to walk pure before the Lord. How could a loving God allow this to happen to me? And she said, "Well, have you heard about the sins of the forefathers?" And I said, "No." Well, she said, said it's in the scriptures at least four times that the sins of the forefathers are passed down to the third and fourth generation. And so you probably had somebody in your background that was in witchcraft and you're paying for their sin. And a curse came upon you. But the good news is that Jesus bore that curse. And once we confess of that sin, it's going to be broken off of you. And then you'll see your daughter healed. And I did the math on that. And do you know what? That is 30 possible outcomes or 30 individuals if you go back four generations. So there's a pretty good possibility. I have one that it was an Indian and they do a lot of witchcraft, you know, medicine men and witch doctors and all that stuff. And then I have some Irish Scottish in me and they worship the Druids and that's witchcraft. So, you know, maybe one of those. All it took was one. That's all it took. And so we prayed and I have to tell you, my daughter, she's not here today, but God healed her. And it was a miracle. It was a miracle. She's the only one that's ever been healed of this disease. Uh, It's called PKU. And then they were telling me, you've got some other good news about this, is that because we're breaking this off, it's going to break it off from all your future generations. So if you have any more children or grandchildren, they will not have this disease. Do you know that I had two more children, perfectly healthy, and I have six and a half grandchildren, don't I, Lindsay? Uh, by the way, this is my daughter right here, the, the head of Lovely, and she was singing, so I'm proud. Um, uh, so anyhow, how do we know that this is operating in our life? Well, there's some symptoms, and I can't list them all because I don't want y'all you know, be mad at me for staying too long, 
But we're going to hit the, the high points or the main ones. And then I'm just going to trust the Holy Spirit will show you. Because what, what you try to look for is a pattern or repeat, repetitive, repetitive situations that happen in someone's life. So the first one is chronic illness. Uh, so you'll see chronic illness running in families. So it might be heart disease, could be cancer, diabetes, Alzheimer's. That's a big red flag. So, you know, the grandmother had it, the mother had it, the mom had it, or you could have a bunch of aunts that have it. The second symptom is frequent mental illness, emotional breakdown, bipolar syndrome, uh, depression, if that runs in families. And the interesting thing is that science is actually supporting the biblical findings, right, that this runs in families. So I wonder, when we sin and that a curse comes upon us, do you think it might do something to our gene? And that's why it's passed down to the third and fourth generation. I don't know if it alter it or imprint it. I'm not a scientist. I guess I won't know till I get to heaven. So let's see. Another symptom is repeat miscarriages and female problems. A big one, number four, is continuing financial insufficiency, poverty, and failure. So financial insufficiency doesn't mean that you're not making any money at all. It means you make money but it's like it's sand, and it just goes through your hands. You're, you're always, I want to say, at break-even or dead broke, or you have holes in your pockets. Then number five is accident prone. That's me. So ever since I was born, I had my head cracked open every year. I got scars to prove it. Thank God I have a lot of hair. I mean, I have them. I am on the front, too. So anyhow, and I am so thankful that I had this thing broken off of me because I don't have any more accidents. And uh, I have busy angels, but I don't have any more accidents. <laughs> so number six, breakdown in family relationships, marriage and divorce. So that means uh, not just divorce running in families, but when you have your children estranged from you or the parents are estranged from the children. And then number seven, a history of suicide or unnatural or untimely death. So a great example is the Kennedy curse. Has anyone ever heard of that? It was well documented. You know, you younger people, we used to have a president uh, named Kennedy. <laughs> and he was assassinated. But if you read about his family, it was tragic. I mean, there was plane accidents after another, after another. And cousins, nephews, everybody, you just saw almost the whole family. And they say that they believe it's from the sin of the father who was bootlegging during the prohibition. So he was making a fortune, that's how they made their fortune, off of the alcohol sales. So, and then just, I'm another, I mean, I could probably give you an example on every one of these. I've, I think I had all of these. <laughs> but... Um, the early death curse was applicable to me. My grandmother died early, and she was killed going to church. And then my great aunt 
was uh, killed early, and she had a tragic accident, then my aunt, and then myself. And I would not be standing here today if I had not broken the curse off because I came this close to death. And I almost bled to death, and my aunt did. And we were both 30 when it happened. So this stuff is serious, and we want to deal with it, and the Lord wants you to deal with it. You know, there's so much he has for you to do, and these things are holding you back. Let's see here. Okay, so we're going to talk about the sources of curses. Well, God himself, he's the source of these curses, a lot of them, and it is a severe form of judgment. And if we want to go back to Genesis 2, 12 2, 12 2, but the second one that I gave you, I don't know if you saw that one. Anyhow, uh, this is the Lord saying, I will bless you and make your name great, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those that curse you. So I kind of left some of it out. Did you get it? Okay. So what did he say here? Wait, he's going to bless you and bless those who bless you. Who's he talking about? The Jewish people. But he's going to curse those that curse the Jewish people. That's called anti-Semitism. So do you think maybe one of those 30 people in your family might have been anti-Semitic? And maybe they weren't hateful to the Jews, but maybe they turned a blind eye to them when they were in need. Maybe they told Jew jokes. I have German in me. I think it's a good possibility. I'm repenting of this one today. Idolatry is the second source. So that's when we worship graven images. That's worshiping you know, Buddha and Mary. It's a statue. It's a graven image. Then that's also worshiping, and you know, Western Hemisphere here, over here in America, we don't do a lot of worshiping of graven images other than maybe Mary. But we worship athletes. And we worship movie stars, and we worship musicians. And we worship money. That's all idolatry. And then another form of idolatry is the occult. So delving into any of the occult, fortune-telling, tarot card readings, uh, going to a seance, all these things we're participating in are the unfruitful deeds of darkness. And it is a sin and it will bring a curse upon you. And we are seeking guidance from someone else other than the Lord. And let me tell you, this is a really strict curse. There's not just one that comes on you, there's 12. So could one of your aunts done horoscopes or maybe, you know, did an eight ball So anyhow, um, I think I left one out here. Oh, this is a powerful one. Injustice to the weak, helpless, foreigners, widows, and orphans. This is a, a, a point where we could fall under a curse. So a great example of this is our great American government, how we mistreated the Indians, how we moved their boundaries, how we broke their treaties. And let me tell you, the Indians, they know how to place a curse on you. But the Bible says a curse without a cause cannot alight. That's why we want to walk squeaky clean, okay? 
but they found a cause because in 1860, I believe, Abraham Lincoln let his wife hold a seance in the White House. Yeah. And so, boom, they put the curse on the presidency. And the curse was to die in the office, to die while you're in the office of the presidency. And so from 1860 to, oh gosh, um, 1980, that curse was in full force. And so about every 20 years, a president would die in office. Yeah, I looked it up. I mean, there might have been one, it was 17 years, but it was close. It was about every 20 years. And these Christian ministers found this out, that there was a curse on the presidency and the White House. So they went to the White House, they repented of the sin, of the seance, and for being unjust to the Indians. They broke it off, and then President Reagan was shot. And the bullet comes like an inch to his heart, but it didn't kill him. Just like when I didn't die, the enemy tried, but he had no legal ground. So um, I kind of covered this, but witchcraft is a source of curses, and we cannot take this lightly. If you lived in another country, they believe in witch doctors, and they know they have power. And there's witchcraft alive and well in the United States, And sometimes what they'll do is they'll even curse objects. And then you take the object and bring it in your home and you're wondering why everything's breaking loose. All, you know, what's breaking loose. That happened to me. We, well, I didn't buy it, but my daughter-in-law bought a toy at a thrift store and the baby was sleeping fretfully, horribly, every night screaming her head off. We couldn't figure out what, what it was. So Victoria sleeps in the room with her to, you know, just pray and be there for her. And then that night, this toy went off. And it it said, wow, three times, wow. And Victoria jumps up, runs over there and grabs the toy, opens it up. There's no batteries in it. Yeah. So witchcraft is real. And that's why you want to repent. If you sin, repent quickly because they're looking for a pinhole. They're looking for a chink in your armor. They're looking for an area that you're sinning. And this is gonna, this is on the increase as the days, you know, grow darker. Uh, they're they're um, serious. They're fasting and praying against Christians. We could talk about, a, a, we could go on this topic all day long, but I've got to move on. So um, dishonoring parents is another area where a curse will fall upon you. In the Old Testament, They put you to death if you dishonored your parents. And it's such a shame because this really is the first commandment with a blessing. So we want to honor. And so that means you can't badmouth your parents. You might not always agree with them, but you have to honor them. Uh, So we're almost, we're getting to the end here. (laughs) Illicit or unnatural sex, homosexuality, incest, adultery, prostitution, pornography, fornication, all those sexual sins that opens the door. Could one of your ancestors fallen into this trap, this sin? There's probably a good possibility. 
the shedding of innocent blood. Now, that's murder, which includes abortion. And Tracy went over that a couple of weeks ago. And it was a great message. I'm not going to dive into it. I suggest you go back. But we do need to repent of that. Self-imposed curses. Okay, this is, this is such a strong, a powerful story that I'm going to share. Because we don't realize when we're getting in a hard place or we're going through a really hard time, we can get depressed and we say things that we should not say. And we'll say, oh, I wish I was never born. I wish I would die. And you are making an imitation to the spirit of death when you do that. And so let me, this story I, I think is so powerful that I want to share is about Kenneth Hagin. He was a man of God who's no longer with us. But he had the gift of faith and healing, so people called him all the time. And so he was called to a hospital. This couple's son was in a coma. So he walks into the door, and the, he's going to pray for this boy. And the Lord says, don't waste your time. And I was like, what? Go ask the parents what he's been saying. So he goes over into the other room and asks the parents, has your son been saying something over and over again? Oh, yeah. Ever since he was a young child, he said, I'm never going to live past the age of 29. Well, how old is he? He's 29. And he's going to be 30 next month. So Kenneth Hagin left, and he said, basically, my hands were tied. Because he couldn't wake up to confess of his sin. So that's a sin when we start speaking I'm, convi I'm convicted right now. <laughs> we, we start speaking word curses over ourselves. There was another example um, about word curses in the Old Testament, but I think for time's sake, I won't go over that. But another powerful one in the New Testament is remember when Jesus is about to be crucified in Matthew 27, 24, and 25. And Pilate said, I'm washing my hands from the blood. I'm washing my hands from this. And then all the Jewish people said this, may the blood be on us and our children. They just cursed themselves. And ever since then, it has not gone well. They have had a lot of tragedy. So that pretty much covers, I think you get the picture of a self-imposed curse. The other curse that I think is so important to cover is word curses from authority. So fathers have probably the greatest authority in all the earth other than Father God. And fathers knowingly or unknowingly literally lock their children up and trap them and imprison them with their words. And I've ministered to so many people, and they're adults, and they feel like a failure because their dad spoke over them. You'll never amount to anything. And your brother and sister are always going to be better than you, and you're going to be slow, and, and you know, you're not going to do well, or whatever they say, but those, those words are so powerful when you're an authority, and the husband has power and authority over his wife. And this goes for the mothers have power over their children with their words, believe me. But the husband and the father has 
greater authority, and it really, it sets people, again, it prisons them is the best word I can think of. And until we can break that off of them, they can't succeed, succeed in life. And they're almost imprisoned in poverty sometimes, poverty of spirit and poverty financially because of the word spoken by their father. And then the husbands, back to the husbands, I think the best example is in the Old Testament when Jacob was leaving with his two wives. He was leaving his father-in-law's house, and he was getting out of Dodge. And so um, the wife that he really loved, Rachel, had hidden one of the household idols, you know? She stole it. And so the father-in-law comes racing over there and accuses Jacob of stealing his precious household idol. And Jacob's like, Offended. Well, why would you say that about me? Let anyone in my household that has that idol, let them die. That's Sharon's version. I should read it. But you know what? It was Rachel that had it. And shortly thereafter that, she died in childbirth. He did not know that he pronounced a curse over his wife, but he did. So this also holds true for teachers and preachers. And teachers can lock their students up and they'll always believe that they're stupid or that they're slow or they're not going to be as good as, as everybody else from just the words a teacher will speak. And then preachers over your little sheep and your flock can have the same type of power and authority. Let's move on. I think we're on number 10, racism. Now, I just can't imagine that. But my ancestors, hmm. So when we are discriminating, there's a curse upon us. The next one is lying and stealing. And in Zechariah 5, there was a scroll that actually went into the home of a person that they lied or perjured. That means lying under oath or stole. And when that would go into the house, it would consume the house with the curse. And the curse was the breaking up of the home, the curse of divorce, and the curse of children being estranged. So I'm almost done here because I know we're out of town. So um, unscriptural covenants with secret societies. So that's making a covenant with anybody but the Lord. So that includes sororities, fraternities, and especially the Freemasons. And the KKK and you know, nice of Columbus, and there's a bunch of them. So that brings a curse on us. Not tithing, Malachi 3, 9, and ignoring the poor, Proverbs 28, 27. So what I want to do is we want to get rid of these things, right? And we have no idea what our ancestors did, so we're just going to cover them all, okay? And, and I promise you, that there, you're going to see a shift. And it's so cool how Mary Forsyth got up here. She had no idea what I was speaking on, that there was going to be a shift today. There's going to be a shift. And she said the very words, you feel like you're stuck. Well, that's how I almost started out the message. You feel like you're stuck. You're stuck in a rut. You're doing all the right things, but nothing's happening. And so today there's going to be a shift. And a lot of times when you pray this and break this off, you'll see people get immediately healed. The curse was blocking their healing. Uh, so I, I guess just go ahead and stand. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to say a prayer and have you all repeat after me. 
don't know her. I'm going to find my... Okay. Somehow I got ahead of myself here. Okay, so close your eyes. Are y'all ready? Okay. Lord Jesus Christ, I declare that you are my God and you are my King. And from this day forward, I want to fully serve you and do what you tell me to do. In order to receive your blessing, Lord, and for you to release any curse over my life, I confess the sins committed by me or by any of my ancestors or any others related to me. I confess the sin of anti-Semitism Idolatry, Idolatry. dishonoring parents, parents. illicit or unnatural sex, sex. the shedding of innocent blood, blood. any self-imposed curses, curses. speaking word curses curses. over ones submitted to my authority. Racism, Racism. lying, Lying. stealing, Stealing. not tithing, tithing. speaking ill of those in authority, authority. and for using your name in vain. vain. Okay, I want you all just to keep your eyes closed. And if there's anything else the Holy Spirit brings to you, I'm just going to have a moment of silence. Lord, I thank you that I believe you have forgiven everything I have confessed. And Lord, I want to proclaim that I forgive all other persons whomever has harmed me or wronged me. I forgive them all now as I would have you, oh God, forgive me. In particular, I forgive. Now, we're going to be quiet and we're going to wait on the Holy Spirit to show you anybody that you need to forgive.
Furthermore, Lord, I renounce any contact by myself or anyone related to me with Satan or occult power of any form or any kind of secret society. And now, Lord Jesus, I thank you further that on the cross, you became a curse that I might be redeemed and might receive the blessing. And because of what you did for me on the cross, I now release myself from every curse and every evil influence and every dark shadow over me and my family. I release myself now in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, Lord, because of your people's prayer this morning, as your representative, I break every curse that has been over any of these people's lives or been over any of these people's families. I revoke those curses now. I release them from them. In the name of Jesus, the Son of God, in his all-prevailing name, I declare these people released. Satan, I declare you have no more claims to these people or their families or their homes or their businesses. Hallelujah! 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 Praise you, Lord! Praise you, Lord! Thank you, Lord, for this shift. Thank you for healing your people. Thank you, Lord, for breakthrough in their finances. Thank you, Lord, for breakthroughs with their families. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. You're a good God. Hallelujah. If you've been inspired by this message, we invite you to partner with us by visiting storehousedallas.com forward slash give.